My ancestors are pirates. I'm going to try and Tarantino a couple stories together, and we'll, we'll see how it goes, so bear with me. I'm on a sober WhatsApp group. I think there's something like 50 of us in, in this group, and there's multiple people with the same name. So there's a bunch of Marys, there's a bunch of Chrises, a bunch of Kristins. You get the idea. And <laughs> completely unrelated, my daughter came up this morning talking about pirates. I said, hey, do you, did you know that our ancestors were pirates? And kind of shocked. She's like, what? And I told her, yeah, that's why our name is Millar. And she, she looks at me a little confused because a lot of people, they, they look at my name and they pronounce it Miller, which is totally fine, like the beer. Um, but our name is actually Millar. And I said, yeah, that's, that's why our name is Millar, like a pirate, like R. And... Where I originally got that from was, I don't know, something like eight, nine years ago. I was working for a company and they, they also had multiple Chris's. And desperate to find a way to differentiate us, they were like, hey, you're, you're Chris like a pirate. And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, Chris Millar. And I'm like, yes, exactly like a pirate. Very good. And so they called me Pirate Chris from that point forward. So it was like, do you want something from Chris or do you want something from Pirate Chris? Um, and that name has kind of stuck a little bit here and there. I like to use it when, whenever it's convenient, um, like I did this morning. And it helps people remember how to pronounce my last name. Speaking of ancestors, I always said when I started this that if I ever ran out of topics to talk about, I could phone it in and just tell a story about how I became who I am today. And so I think today is going to be one of those days where it's like kind of a we're going to call it phoning in Friday. And I want to talk about two stories. I think I've got time. The first one is when I was in second grade, there were two pivotal moments, maybe three, actually, three pivotal moments um, that happened. And I, I, not knowing how old I was at the time, it's really hard for me to map that. So I guess the kid is eight now. So I was probably about eight years old. So this is the 80s. Um, we got a computer. My parents had the foresight that we would get a computer. And we lived in Silicon Valley. We lived in a, a little town called Pleasanton in the Bay Area. So we got an Apple II GS. And that computer was totally life-changing. And for many, many, many reasons. Being in the Bay Area, you, you kind of were like an Apple person by nature. And so that's what we grew up on. The sort of gist was that my dad said, hey, you break it, you have to learn how to fix it. You know, I don't think a lot of parents would, <laughs> I certainly wouldn't tell my eight-year-old that back then with how expensive computers were at the time. Along those same lines, I also, I had two realizations while I was in school. It's really where I started to become sort of self-aware about what I was good at and what I wasn't good at. The first one was that I realized that despite how much I loved to draw, I was terrible at it. I became sort of self-aware that, wow, I am not a very good artist. Because you kind of look around the room and you're like, ooh, my, my stuff is not so good. <laughs> the other one was that I was starting to do, I want to say multiplication tables. It was either addition or multiplication. And it was very obvious that I was taking longer than everyone else. And that's probably where I could trace sort of my neurodiversity, ADHD, all the way back to as far as like my first memory of being like, oh, I'm a little bit different. And to be honest, I didn't, I didn't 
consider myself to have ADHD and I just thought I was a forgetful person and, you know, all the other classic characteristics of ADHD. Um, I didn't really, you know, sort of self-identify as ADHD until this year, or I guess last year, 2022. So it was the first time where I was like, oh, I get distracted and I cannot do my schoolwork like everyone else can. Can I hyper fixate on like doing computer stuff? Yeah, I absolutely could. And so I, and I think there was a, a line where I wasn't, I didn't have this sort of emotional dysregulation. So it was really just, you know, back then we didn't have the sort of knowledge and tools that we have today. So it was like, Chris, you just need to concentrate more. And that was kind of my entire school career. If you would just concentrate more like you do when you work on computer stuff or when you do something you really like doing, yeah, well, it's easy for me to hyper fixate on things that I love doing. Built a career on that. Hey, yo. Um, the other one, so it, fast forward to fifth grade again in elementary school still for us in the, in the States here. And comic cards were all the rage. I think we're in the 90s now, probably early 90s. And comic cards were all the rage. It was like, oh, you have comic books, and then you had comic cards, and comic cards were kind of like baseball cards, but for comic book characters. And I wanted to make my own comic cards. When you suck at drawing, you <laughs> there's not a lot you can do because you sort of recognize your own deficiencies, and you're like, I'm not getting any better at this. But what I found is that with our computer... Um, it was a very small screen. It was color, of course, but it was a very small screen. And we had a printer called a dot matrix printer. And they would print in 72 DPI and they would be very loud, 72 dots per inch. So they were not very high quality, but you could print stuff at home. It was revolutionary. I figured out if I placed one of my comic cards on a screen and drew a square and printed it out, it would be the exact same size as the card. So there was no sort of like translation between the size that I see on my screen and the size in the physical world. That's because the screen, and this is all nerd stuff I know now, and I didn't really put it together back then. I would, again, I was a little kid. It was because the screen was 72 dots per inch and the printer was 72 dots per inch. So it was like a one-to-one -one mapping. I realized that I could make my own comic cards. All of a sudden I was doing like a logo and I was doing um, the stats because you'd turn the card around and you would type out the stats. But what I also did, this is very on brand for me, is I figured out that because of this such low resolution, I couldn't just type out words because there just wasn't enough detail in the printout and I couldn't get the words small enough because there just wasn't enough what we call resolution. So I had to invent a font. Yes, me as a fifth grader, I was inventing a font and that sounds overblown, but basically what I figured out is that I could draw in pixels per pixel. Um, if I did three pixels across and five pixels down, I could basically make almost any single letter. You know, if you think about an E or an I, all of those can be drawn with a three by five pixel. Things got a little bit rough when you would get into the M's and the W's, but you could, you could get around that. And that's really, again, I didn't know what I was doing at the time. I was just trying to solve this need where I wanted to make comic cards, couldn't draw, but I could do something on the computer. I really just graphic design. That's very foundational and it's very on brand for what I do today at the, the intersection of design and technology. All right, and with that origin story of Pirate Chris, I'm signing off. Have a great weekend. Bye.